The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 51. Hi, this is Ray Edwards from RayEdwardsPodcast.com, and there are only a few must-listen podcasts on my list, and this is one of them. It's Jeff Brown and the Read to Lead Podcast. Smart people today, they design their life and then fit work in the margins where a generation ago you designed your career and then trying to fit your life in the margins. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hello and welcome. I am so excited that you're here today. This could be your first time listening. This might be your 52nd time listening. This is officially episode 51, though if you count episode 000, that introductory episode, there's actually been 52 different episodes of the Read to Lead podcast. And yes, that means that this week... We celebrate our one-year anniversary, and I'm so excited about that. Thanks for making this possible, whether this is your first time or you've been back several times again and again. I really appreciate you checking out the show, and I hope you found it useful and informative. Each and every week, we sit down with another successful and inspiring author, and as you may know, we talk about their latest book, and depending on his or her area of expertise, we chat about thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, or entrepreneurship. And in this episode today, we chat with Carrie Oberbrunner, author of the book Day Job to Dream Job, Practical Steps for Turning Your Dream Job into a Full-Time Gig. I'm going to try to get better at the beginning of future episodes, recommending other episodes on a similar topic that you might want to check out. And of course, we'll have those in the show notes as well. For other episodes of the Read to Lead podcast on this topic, check out episode 12 with John A. Cuff, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 012. Also, episode 21, our first chat with Chris Brogan, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 021. Kimberly Palmer, episode 29 slash 029. And last week's episode, episode 50, 050 is the suffix there with Pamela Slim. In today's episode, Carrie's going to share why you should invite fear not fight it, some of the benefits of creating your dream job, and why your chances for success are better today than they've ever been, how to begin carving out your own unique niche and getting over some of those hurdles and doing so, and a whole lot more. On this anniversary edition of the Read to Lead podcast, I'd like to say a special thanks to Blinkist. They've been a part of the show now for a few months. They create business book summaries, summaries you can consume in about 15 minutes that include all the key points and insights from your favorite business books. We love what they do. They love what we do, and they're making it worth your while. You can try it for free 
for three days. And if you like what you see, you can get 20% off an annual subscription just because you're a Read to Lead podcast listener. To find out more, go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist and enter the code Read to Lead, all one word, at checkout for that 20% discount. One more time, that address is readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. Kerry Oberbrunner left his day job to pursue his dream job full-time. He is the founder of Redeem the Day, which serves the business community, and Igniting Souls, which serves the nonprofit community. Kerry is also the author of several books and is a founding partner on the John Maxwell team. His latest book, and the one we're going to talk about today, Day Job to Dream Job, Practical Steps for Turning Your Passion into a Full-Time Gig. Kerry, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Hey, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thanks. Well, uh, Kerry is somebody who is not just talking theory in this new book. He's actually done it, as I mentioned a moment ago. And I thought we'd begin, Kerry, by having you share a bit about your personal journey transitioning from a day job into your dream job of, of helping other people. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I, I was a, in a very safe job, a very secure job. Father of three had the salary, the health insurance, the title. Everything was great. And, and that was the problem because <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us are wired for adventure. We're wired to dream. I mean, nobody needs to tell a kid to dream. They kind of come out of the womb already wanting to do something or be something. And I'll tell you what, Jeff, I, I, I had a promotion, believe it or not. I was tapped to be the successor of our large organization, and they asked me to think about it. And I thought about it, and I knew it wasn't right. So here I am, now being promoted, and essentially this would this would be my career. This would be my next decades. Mm. And I looked at that and said, you know what? That's that's just not me. And so now I was caught with, okay, I don't want to take that position, but I don't have the plan to go pro with anything else. And if you said no, then it's like, well, well, then what, right? Exactly. But, you know, being a guy of integrity, I, I prayed and I said, you know what? I'm going to tell him no and I'm just going to cross my fingers. <laughs> and it, you're right, because now you're in that organization. Now you've said your future's not there. Now what? And so I had some gracious employers. They said, look, if you can remain engaged... And, and do your job, awesome, and go and begin to build a plan. And so now, you know, I had the time clicking and ticking, and I had to create a plan, and so I did. I was intrigued by, and I wouldn't have guessed it to be this high, what a lot of recent studies are saying about how most of us view our day jobs. Can, can you share some of that? Because I thought that was really eye-opening. It is eye-opening. I mean, the reality is, is that a recent survey said 86% of U.S. workers feel trapped and stuck and are actually looking for another job. Big deal, right? Until you realize that, look, day jobs today are killing people. Now, that's a strong statement, and, that, and it's strong on purpose because I get a lot of these statistics. I got to thank one of my mentors, Dan Miller. But no joke, 70% of American workers are stressed and experience illnesses right now because of their day jobs. 34% say, I'm going to burn out in the next two years. 
heart attacks are biggest on Monday mornings. Injuries, biggest Monday mornings. Mm. And get this, death, more people die. Nine o'clock Monday morning than any other time of the week. And suicides are the highest on Sunday nights with people realizing that they have to go back to their careers. So literally, Jeff, what we're talking about is like something that is is a life and death situation. Well, I often wonder, as, as, a, as a fan of Sir Ken Robinson and his 2006 TED Talk centered around schools killing our creativity, his premise is uh, that our creativity is basically educated out of us. And I wonder sometimes if the problem doesn't start with our education system, our schools, after all, were you know structured to satisfy the needs of the industrial age. If you could, Carrie, uh, apart from making your dream job plan that we're going to talk about here in a moment, a part of every school in the country, what change would you make to our schools or changes? Well, I'll tell you what, I would get away from pragmatic, uh, utilitarian. What do I mean by that? A lot of times, I mean, the, the clients that I'm now coaching that are investing finances in, in getting coached, they're saying, I knew what I was supposed to do at a young age, but someone talked me out of it because they said, ah, you'll never make money in that, or that's not the right path. Nobody does it that way. So what I, what I would do, Jeff, is I would go back to the educational system and say, hold on. And by the way, you know, we, we both know there's great teachers out there, and there's teachers who kind of are abnormal <laughs> where they're saying the, the right things. But, you know, sometimes it comes down to parents. Sometimes it comes down to teachers. Sometimes it comes down to your wise old uncle or whatever, but they say, look, I know you really want to do this, but nobody can do this for a living. So why don't you just do X, Y, or Z? And Jeff, I know this to be true. You do X, Y, or Z for long enough, and you become dead inside. And you know what? Dead people don't make money. <laughs> no, they don't. I know I can, from personal experience, identify with what you're saying. Uh, my path in high school and into college was... A path that I had shown some giftings in, but was also a path that, that, that others said I should take because of that. And I remember sitting across from a guidance counselor between sure. my sophomore and junior year, and I had I had taken a radio class, a beginning radio class that my high school offered. Uh, it had its own radio station, and I had signed up for the advanced radio classes and was sort of kind of wondering if that might be fun and if that's something I might want to do you know, down the road. I wasn't certain that I would ever dabble in that, but I just thought it would be fun. Sure. Uh, and my guidance counselor asked me if that was something I was going to make a career out of, and, and at the time, the answer to that question was, no, I don't think so. And he says, well, you don't need to take those classes. Mm. Well, long story short, I spent two and a half years in college college as a music education major before dropping out. And then uh, three years later, or actually just a few months later, I should say, ending up in broadcasting where I spent the next 26 years of my life. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, I, I sometimes regret not having some of that early instruction and, and early experiences that I would have had at my high school that my, that guidance counselor taught me out of. Totally. I mean, <laughs> and that story is, is common. You know, right. it it really is. It's, it's, it's repeated multiple times. We touched on this a little bit in our last episode, episode 50, with Pamela Slim. John Acuff, who was a guest on the podcast as well, episode 12, uh, in his latest book, Start, says to punch fear in the face. 
Uh, Carrie says that fear is your friend and sort of Michael Jackson style says, invite it, don't fight it. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> what if I prefer to kick fear in the groin, though, uh, Carrie? What would you say to, to someone like that? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I've heard of John's book. Uh, I know of him. The point is, though, that in all of my research, which, again, goes into the mind, psychology, you never overcome fear. In other words, if you're waiting for the time where you say, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Was I afraid to go pro? Absolutely, I was afraid. But here's the thing. I got clearer on the reason why. In other words, to borrow from Simon Sinek, my why got bigger. Mm. For instance, Jeff, are you a father? I am not, uh, unless you count my two furry children. (laughs) Well, let me say, let me say that some of our listeners who might be fathers or mothers, okay, if their kids in a burning building and they see their child crying for help, we might say, are they afraid? Absolutely. They're afraid. They are. Anyone who says, oh, I'm not afraid is lying. Will they go into the building and save their child? Absolutely. Because their love for their child is bigger than their fear. Mm. So I say, look, you need to really cultivate your love, your why, your dream job. And that's how you're going to overcome your fear. Not to just say, oh, let's not wait until we're uh, not afraid anymore. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, Pamela, uh, who we talked to last week, calls it sort of surfing the fear. It's, it's leveraging it to your advantage, I think is what you're saying. Oh, I right? like that. Definitely. Well, what are some of the reasons that our chances of success at a dream job are better today than they ever have been? You know, it's interesting. Um, for starters, one is that we have more access. Okay, we have more access to resources and people than we ever had before. What do I mean by that? Today's technology is unbelievable. Darren Hardy, for instance, the author of, uh, or actually editor of Success Magazine, in, a, in an interview, I, I, I mention this in the book, but in an interview, he says that today you're 564 times more likely to succeed than 13 years ago. Mm. What, is, what does he mean by that? He means that 13 years ago, when he wanted to start a business, he and his team had to invest over a million and a half dollars for the same technology that's available today for $5,000. So you think about that. You go to the App Store. The App Store. I mean, we're talking dollars. We're talking, we're talking today, everyone has a free TV channel that they can create. It's called YouTube. Hmm. Everyone has a free printing press, okay? Online printing press. It's called WordPress. <laughs> today, everyone has their own PR for- firm. It's called Twitter. <laughs> so the point is that it is so much easier today based on the fact that we have more access, more resources, we're more connected. Do you realize that, uh, Jeff, I-, I love your podcast, by the way. It's, it's great. And I've had other podcasters interview me for this book, one in Sweden, one in Israel. I mean, we're talking like I can be in the library jump on Skype. Just yesterday, I had a whole hour Skype chat with a a guy from the UK. Hmm. We are more connected. And then I'd say this, there's more incentive. People are realizing that whole dream of working for 40 years in a company and then retiring, it's just not happening today. The average 
person works in a job 4.6 years. And so it's just not likely that you're going to have what we call deferred retirement. People are saying, why don't I take many, many retirements while I'm working within my career? One of the many benefits of creating your, your own dream job is those many retirements along the way. Uh, what are some of the other benefits? You, you've touched on a few. What are some of the other benefits of creating your, your dream job, Carrie? I say it like this, Jeff. I say more freedom, more finances, more fulfillment. What do I mean by that? More freedom. A lot of people that I chat with, they say words like, I have to go to work, <laughs> Right. And just yesterday, I was at Sam's Club, and I heard the cashier saying to the man that a bad day of golf is better than the best day of work. And I'm thinking, and that's what this guy has to live for. I mean, you know, he's positioning his work against his life. Of course, he's going to have stress. That's called out of alignment. So, what do I mean by freedom? I mean that I can literally say to my wife, like, hey, why don't we take the day off and why don't we go to the zoo? Or, you know what? Why don't we go to Michigan for a week? I can literally run my business from my phone, my laptop. Mm. I'm not saying everyone has to run it like that. But when you do your dream job, you now realize that it's no longer work versus life. Here's what I say, Jeff. Smart people today they design their life and then fit work in the margins, not the opposite, where a generation ago, you designed your career and then tried to fit your life in the margins. I have some of these conversations with my parents who sometimes struggle with the fact that I've not held a regular job for the last 12 plus months. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do, you, how do you do that? They're from a different generation. They don't quite understand it. Sure. Carrie says that all self-limiting beliefs, and we all have them, center on two core lies. Carrie, what are those lies and how do they tend to manifest themselves? You know, when we start talking about dream jobs, really, if you're not in your dream job, you're, you're in a prison in a way. I'm not saying it's torture, but I am saying that it's a prison where you feel like you don't have freedom. You feel like your potential is imprisoned. Your creativity is, is held captive. And so... The point is, Jeff, that to get out, you begin to have to look inside. Because if you're going to break free from that prison, you're going to ask yourself questions like, do I have what it takes? Could I survive out there? What would it be like? What if people rejected me? And what happens is this thing called BS, okay? <laughs> it's, it's belief system, all right? Belief system. Two self-limiting beliefs that always surface are, number one, I am not enough. So, when I coached clients, when I had to work through my own self-limiting beliefs, I literally said, Jeff, you know, I'm not enough. I don't have the experience. I don't have the clientele that I've had in, in the past. I'm going into new markets. You, you kind of do this self-reflection where you say, I am not enough. Not enough looks, brains, whatever. And then the other one is that you center on, I don't have enough. And that goes down to resources. I don't have enough. Like, I don't have enough capital. I don't have enough networks, whatever. The way that you get over those self-limiting beliefs, Jeff, is, is action and, and a plan. Look, I use Shawshank Redemption a lot in this book as a metaphor, and I literally wrote 
a lot of the book in Shawshank Prison. And what I realized is that Andy, the main character, he wanted to get out. He wanted to break free from that prison. And he had all the self-limiting beliefs that everybody else does. But what helped him overcome those self-limiting beliefs was a plan. And that's what the bulk of the book is. This isn't some hype, let's all just, you know, do our dream job, la, 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 you know, kumbaya, that type of thing. It's, it's literally a nine-step plan on how you can break free. Well, part of that is, is understanding that we're all gurus. So many of us don't see ourselves that way, and I didn't for a long time. But, but Carrie says we're all gurus and that we probably fall into one of uh, five different types. I wondered if you could share uh, the two most common guru types, the two types that we're most likely to fall into. So that statement in and of itself is kind of funny because people are like, what? You know, I'm a guru. I don't feel like that at all. And that's the problem. If you don't feel like a guru, no one's going to come up to you and want to hire you because they're not just going to lay money at your feet because you look good. I, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm bald. So people aren't handing me money because I look good. <laughs> so the point is that you better offer them something of value. And the five gurus are this, practicals, synthesizers, nonconformists, academics, and celebrities. Let me explain those. Practicals and synthesizers, I can go into those really quick. Do you remember seeing this video, Jeff, and some do, some don't, but it was, um, it was about a guy who was a paratrooper, and it was on YouTube, and in the beginning of the video, he couldn't even, even walk. He was on a cane. Oh, yeah. Remember he, that one? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, really cool story. He was a former paratrooper in the military, over 200 jumps, and basically his back, his jaw, everything was just shot. Well, guess what he does? He does yoga. He does yoga, and he loses 140 pounds in 10 months, and it shows that on the YouTube transformation. And at the end of the video, he runs, and like, I don't know about you, Jeff, but like, (laughs) I started tearing up, and I'm like, wow, you know. Interesting fact, Arthur Borman is now being recruited and paid to speak at yoga conferences. But here's the interesting thing. All Arthur did was that he accomplished something himself. Mm. And now because he did it practically, people say, guru. And now he's speaking and he's got a story, he's got a business because he became a product of the product. There's tons of your listeners out there that have that type of story. Maybe it's not related to weight. Maybe it's how they're a stay-at-home dad and they began to build whatever curriculum and it turned into a crazy business and now they can share that and they're a guru. They're known as the curriculum guru. I mean, this is how it all starts. I'm not a fan of those, uh, whatever it's called, Spanx or whatever, but what <laughs> happened? The lady, I've seen an interviewer too, what did she do? She chopped off the feet on pantyhose or something, and, <laughs> and now it's a billion-dollar industry or something. Look, all she did is she had a problem herself, figured it out, and then you begin to monetize it. Yeah, I read a story about her in Inc. Magazine and, and another woman who uh, was making her own clothes because she she wasn't satisfied with, with what was out there and started 
offering them up on, on Facebook sort of by accident and mm. figured out the Facebook sales model when there are other million and billion dollar companies who are, haven't figured that out yet and are now going to her for advice on how did you do that? How did you make that happen? I love it. One of the things I think too is interesting about that, Carrie, is at least in my experience, I find that as you begin to share your guru-ness, if you will, with yeah. other people, sometimes they'll begin to let you know that they need help with something else you're good at that you didn't even necessarily recognize uh, you, sure. you were good at along the way. For example, last year I launched a Podcaster Academy course where I, I leverage my broadcast background predominantly. And, and along the way, as I was teaching these modules, I began having folks say things like, have you ever thought about teaching a course on how to teach a course? Or have you, have you ever yeah. thought about teaching folks you know, how you put this whole thing together? Because I would like to do that too. And that was, that was a surprise to me. I didn't expect that to happen. Excellent. Jeff, you are so right. I call this framework. Mm. Framework is just breaking down a complex process uh, uh, into steps. And so how do you teach a course? If you break that down into steps that are clear and concise, people will pay for that. And I've done that with books, Jeff, you know, um, because I didn't notice my guru status. And yet people began coming up to me and saying, you've got so many books out how do you write a book? And I never thought, duh, you know, <laughs> there are people out there who don't know how to write a book. I can create a framework and begin to monetize that. So yeah, I encourage your listeners, what's something that you're good at, or at least three people have asked you how to do? That's a big key. And if you can be able to identify that and then create a framework around it, you can monetize it. What do you mean when you suggest that we build our own dream team of experts who are committed to our cause? And, and how do we go about beginning that process? What I've realized, Jeff, is that there are other people. True story. I have a lawyer and I have a CPA. And both of these guys are awesome. They got great hearts. And I began to share with them my passion. And they got excited because they're doing tax and law. How exciting is that, right? No, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is exciting. But I began to share my vision. And I said, guys, I don't know anything about tax and law. Can you guys be part of my personal advisory board? And I didn't even know what that meant. I, sometimes <laughs> I make things up. You know? and, and they said, absolutely. What does that mean? And in the book, I, I share this. It's called the Personal Advisory Board Simple Structure. That's it. Mm. And you basically write out who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who are you going to ask to serve on your board and the reason why you're asking them? What is your board going to achieve? Come up with a few goals. Is it to write a grant, form an LLC? When? When is the board going to meet? I suggest quarterly. Most people are willing to invest quarterly one hour. Mm. I mean, think about that. If you go up to a friend and you say, look, you are a rock star at what you do. Here's my vision. I would absolutely love for you to spend four hours a year. Can you do that? Four hours a year? Most people will do that. Mm. Where? Never do it at a restaurant. Too many distractions. <laughs> Always have it at, at somewhere where you can run a business meeting. And then why? Your why should never change, and it should be very clear. People do not want to be sacrificing their time if you don't have a big why. And then lastly, the how. Review old business and create a new agenda. 
The purpose of your board is not to sit there and say, huh, what should we create? What should we think about? No, no, no. You as the dream jobber, right? I call them the DJs in the book. You as the DJ, it's your job to create the agenda and your board functions to make your agenda come true. Being a former DJ, I particularly liked that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What would you say right now to the person who, even after 30 minutes of conversation, is, is still asking themselves, why should I trade what I know, the safety and security of my job and regular paycheck, for what I don't know? Yeah, and it's interesting because that person who's asking that question, A, is very smart, very intelligent, and they're, they have the wrong focus. Hmm. Because the goal of life is not to say, I crossed the finish line. Yes, I'm safe. The goal <laughs> of life, I think, is first to connect with your creator, your core, and your community. But, but secondly, it's to live as a soul on fire. And most people I talk to, they begin to die a thousand small deaths mm-hmm. within their day job. And pretty soon they reach the end and life kicked their dream out of them. I would much rather say, you know what, rather than trade a thousand little deaths, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite one big death. It's called risk. It's called change. Don't be reckless. Don't go in after this podcast and go in and tell your boss, I'm done. We're through. I'm out of here. Andy escaped Shawshank because he had a plan. You need a plan. And once you have that plan, Jeff, you begin to really say, okay, even though I don't know everything, I know enough that I can take that first step. I want to ask you some questions not directly related to the book, Carrie. But before I do that, I want to ask, is, is there anything else you want to make sure we walk away with about the book? In the book, I talk about prison. We've talked about that. I talk about plan. We've talked a little bit about that. And I talk about payoff. We really didn't talk about payoff yet. But all I want to say is it is so worth it. When you can have freedom where you go as you please, finances where you earn as you wish, and fulfillment where you live as you like, you're free. I mean, we say, you know, uh, that, that this country, America, right, is, is, is the land of the free, right? The point is that if you're not free, you're not truly alive. So I just want to challenge people with a quote from Shawshank, get busy living or get busy dying. Hmm. And uh, I'm ready for your next question. <laughs> one, probably one of my top three favorite movies of all time, certainly. Awesome. I know you do a fair amount of, of public speaking, What advice uh, do you give to others when it comes to giving an effective and impactful public talk? I like a bullet as opposed to a shotgun. I think too many people begin to blow their audience away with content. And I'd rather have people walk away with a bullet talk as opposed to a shotgun. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is that your talk is really not about you. If you come in as, you know, I'm the main center of the show, people are here to watch me, you've lost it. You're there as a servant. Your audience are your clients, and you're there to add value to their lives. If you feel bored, they're bored. Whenever you feel that point in your talk, tell a story. Make a point, tell a story, tell a story, make a point. Among all the leadership lessons that that you've learned and and come to appreciate, if you had to narrow the list down to a a single theme or one central idea, Carrie, what advice would you give? 
you know, I, I like Christ's example of servant leadership. Mm. And so I would say that being a servant within your leadership is huge. Many times growing up, I thought, oh, the leader's the one who's the boss. They get to boss everybody around, right? <laughs> no, no, no. The leader, the leader is actually the one who probably works the hardest, probably deals with the most junk, and really probably receives the least amount of credit. Jeff, it wasn't until I began to sink my teeth into those lessons that I began to see my impact really explode. So wondering uh, if you could name for us a couple of books you've read, Carrie, or are currently reading that have had an impact on you and maybe share how or why they impacted you as they did. One of the books in the last few years that really helped me articulate kind of what this whole space was, was The $100 Startup. Have you read that one? Yeah, I have. I love that. Yeah, by Chris Gellibal. I'm going to see Chris this weekend at World Domination Summit. And uh, his illustrator, Mike Rohde, is actually the illustrator for Day Job to Dream Job. So that's a cool story. But that book really helped me understand that I don't need $100,000 to start my dream job. I probably only need 100 bucks. And the biggest reason why I'm not starting is probably more me than it is external circumstances. Hmm. Well, when you see Chris, uh, be sure to tell him that he needs to be a future guest on the Read to Lead podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will, I, will tell, I will tell Chris that. Uh, he and I chatted on Twitter a few months back, and uh, it wasn't the right time then, but hope to have him on here someday in the near future, maybe when the next book comes out. Awesome. Uh, what are some next steps that we can take, uh, Carrie? Share a bit about your uh, Dream Job Boot Camp. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff, I wanted this to be so easy because I really believe that this book is is truly about helping people and it's saving people from a life where they feel trapped and stuck. So I talked with my team. What we decided to do was give people over 200 pages of our interactive Dream Job Bootcamp guide. So this is like the book on steroids where it's going to literally help you map out what is my guru status? What are my, you know, what's my value proposition statement? It's going to map this path out for people. And Dream Job Bootcamp is killer. It's amazing. It's where I can coach people through it. So books are so powerful. And yet, when you have someone coaching you through it, it takes it to a whole new level. One of our boot camps, we even go to Shawshank Prison. Mm. And we have it inside of there. Very transformational. Some of our clients have just broken into tears when they've gone into some of the cells because they realize for the first time, oh my gosh, these are literal bars and my life is a literal bars mm. and I need to break free and it becomes very real and and we've had we've had people go pro it's it's exciting well, I want to thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and thank Jared Easley, too, of the Star of the Doubts podcast at starofthedoubts.com for introducing Carrie and I. I'm enjoying the book a great deal, almost through it, and I particularly like the fact that it's not just about what to do, but it tells you in that nine-step plan how to do it. Carrie, thank you so much for being a part of the Read to Lead podcast. We appreciate it. Jeff, thanks for having me and, and bless your audience. Thanks. One of the easiest ways to network with Carrie is over on Twitter. You'll find him at Carrie Oberbrunner on Twitter. That's spelled K-A-R-Y-O-B-E-R-B-R-U-N-N-E-R at Carrie Oberbrunner 
on Twitter. The Regional Lead Podcast is a great conversation starter. Let that be your icebreaker today. Plus, everything you'd like to know about Kerry, his new book, the other resources and links that we talked about, can be found at that page we've created especially for this episode. It's called the Show Notes page, and you'll find today's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 051 for episode 51. Remember our sponsor Blinkist. Get that 20% discount off an annual subscription with the discount code READ to LEAD. Go to READ to LEAD podcast.com slash Blinkist. And as you're thinking about what gift you're going to get us for our one year anniversary, let me recommend leaving a star rating and a written review in either iTunes, Stitcher, or both because it helps the show get noticed. It makes it more visible and helps folks who haven't found it yet find it more easily. And if you happen to give it a five star rating and leave a written review so I know who you are, I'll be sure and mention you by name in an upcoming episode as my way of saying thanks. To rate and review the podcast in iTunes, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or in Stitcher, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. That does it for this one-year anniversary episode. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF.